0: Thank you for listening to this podcast one production available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One.
1: It's that Leo chico pit bull, Mister Three Hundred Five, but I said Mister Worldwide. You already know what it is. Listen to my new podcast from Negative to Positive. Subscribe today. Now, part of the things that we're doing over here, at Negative to Positive, is encouraging people to change their lives, change the things that are within their power. Now I'm talking about Colonel Sanders and Kentucky Fried Chicken and how much I love it. (laughs) Listen to my new podcast from negative to positive. Check out the vodcast. Subscribe today. Apple Podcast. Podcast One. Spotify.
2: We begin today's meditation with a few sipping exercises to remind us a little treat can go a long way. So pick up your McCafe iced coffees, close your eyes, and deep sip in.
3: Hey guys, Perry here. Let's make some mayhem. Shoot and loot your way through a mayhem-fueled adventure in Borderlands 3. Blast through new worlds and enemies is one of four new playable vault hunters, each with deep skill trees, abilities, and customization. Play solo or with your friends to take on insane enemies, score loads of loot, and save the galaxy from a fanatical threat. Mayhem is available now on PC, Xbox One, and PS4. Pre-order now at Borderlands.com. Rated M for Mature.
0: Take a treat retreat at McDonald's. Right now, get a McCafe iced coffee in any size and any flavor for just 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price of participation may vary.
3: Welcome to Movie Talk. On today's show, we're talking about the brand new Irishman trailer. Then we found out that the Ghost Rider series is not going through on Hulu. And then on top of that, breaking news last night, Kevin Feige is developing a Star Wars movie. Welcome to this Heroes and Villains edition of Collider Movie Talk. We've got a great panel for you today that includes John Humphrey and Nikki Novak. But before we get to those discussions, we've got our call sheet. And the first item on the list today is, of course, The Irishman. So The Irishman is the most expensive movie Martin Scorsese has ever made. Why? Because of all the digital de-aging. The movie takes 76-year-old Robert De Niro and ages him down to his 20s. Netflix released four images to show that de-aging process. And then on top of that, we just got a brand new trailer for the movie. So we're going to discuss that on today's show. Next up here, filming on A Quiet Place Part 2. It's been underway since mid-July. What we know right now is that it brings back Emily Blunt, Noah Jupe, Millicent Simmons, and also adds Killian Murphy and John. I'm in Hansu We don't know how these new characters here are going to factor in, but hopefully we're going to get some information on this one soon, because John Krasinski just took to Twitter, and he shared that filming on the movie has officially wrapped. Next up, according to Deadline, fresh off his Emmy win, Jason Bateman is currently in early talks to both direct and star in the Fox Disney Clue remake, which already has Ryan Reynolds attached. Bateman and Reynolds would develop the script together. Now we're moving on over to that Hulu Ghostwriter story because Variety is reporting that Hulu is no longer moving forward with the series that was set to star Gabriel Luna, which would of course have had him reprising his role from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., but in a new timeline. The story notes that the series was ultimately nixed due to a creative impasse. More on this one later in today's show as well. And finally, oh, that big breaking news from last night. According to The Hollywood Reporter, Marvel Studios chief Kevin Feige... This is from their actual article. He is going to be developing a Star Wars movie as Lucasfilm president Kathleen Kennedy makes new plans for a wave of projects set in the universe. What is all this going to mean? We are going to discuss that on today's show. You can bet on that. Now we are moving over to a clip from one of Steve's
4: Tiff's interviews. This is his conversation with Bryce Dallas Howard. Check it out. If you go back and look at some of the awesome directors that I've had the opportunity to work with, like that was all totally... I mean, not like I was like, oh, I want to work with this person, this person, this person. But I had those dreams. Like, my agent is here. Didn't I have a list when I was 19 years old? <laughs> I had a list when I was 19 years old where I was just like, oh, my gosh, these are the people that I want to study under. One of the reasons why I was excited to work with Lars von, Lars von Trier was not just Lars von Trier, although I was very excited to work with him. His DP is a guy named Anthony dodd Mantle, And Anthony... Uh, it was one of the first cinematographers who were, was really, really, really kind of pushing what was possible um, in terms of, you know, s- cameras within the digital medium. And so, like, I was 22 years old when I did that movie. And I remember being like, oh, my gosh, like, he's going to be, like, I get to talk to him. And he had been working with, like, Harmony Corinne And, like, he was just, he was one of, the, like, the Dogma 95 guys. Sure. And I loved Dogma 95. I refer to, like, all the time now. I'm like, oh, like, give me Dogma 95 right now. Um, but anyway, uh, so I... I remember, like, just cornering him on the set and just being like, what is happening? What are you going to do about the flicker effect? Like, like, how is this medium going to evolve? And... Um Kind of the opposite version of that was on my first movie was Roger Deakins, who shot it. And Roger Deakins shot um, Beautiful Mind. And so I was just oh. always on the set of Beautiful Hi. Mind.
0: Roger was here this morning. What? Yes.
4: <sighs>
0: yeah, exactly. I, I, have a, I have something to tell you when the camera stops. Right. Second, I second. can't wait. I can't right.
4: wait. But it was... Um, so it's, it's the cinematographers, the directors, other actors. I mean, I just wanted to just be in situations where creative people were, were being, um, courageous and daring and, and imaginative and just pushing things forward, you know? So it's, it's just been, um, the, the, I don't like to sit in my trailer and when I'm wrapped, I often do not leave. Once I right. had kids, like that obviously shifted to sure. a certain degree. I heard the kids are important. But, yeah, because the yeah. kids are uh, kids are a priority. You know, yeah. um, but uh, but before that point, like when it would when I would be done shooting, like there was no way that I was leaving set. And my dad talked about that a lot too. He was like, "Go there on a day. Don't just stay." go there on a day when you are not on the call sheet and you are, you can truly be an observer and you can truly watch and no one feels like they have to take care of you. And then you're going to get a really good sense of everything. And so I always do that.
3: If you want to check out Steve's full chat with Bryce Dallas Howard, it's on the Collider Interview YouTube channel, and they had a lengthy chat. She's a delight. I highly recommend watching that one. But now, I highly recommend staying tuned for the rest of the show, because we have a great panel for you today. Nikki Novak is back on the desk, and John Humphrey is making Hello. his movie yeah. talk debut. <laughs> I feel like when you like emerged from the corner in the office, I'm like, it's been way too long since I I've know. seen your face. It's
0: been since like the last schmoedown thing that probably happened or something i don't yeah, know i haven't been here this is the mellowest i've ever seen this studio
3: really oh okay that's yeah. what happens when you shoot a show bright and early in the morning yeah. and nobody wants to come into the office <laughs> it's like, very it's quiet nice, in here though,
0: i'm so at e- like i was nervous i was doing like a rocky training montage i was reading movie news out in the snow like and now i feel very relaxed do you need the Thank theme God. song It would help. Honestly, (laughs) if we could get like a log in here, that I could drag
3: around. Well, I'm glad you prepped because we have some some serious stories on the lineup today. And we're kicking it off with a conversation about the Irishman. So what happened is... First, Netflix shared a series of four photos that basically show Robert De Niro at different stages of his life in the movie. So we got a up-close look at what the de-aging technology is going to look like. And there was some concern out there, specifically uh, the photo that showed him at his youngest in the movie. But then they followed it up with a trailer. So... What I want to know from you guys is, one, did those photos sound the alarm for you? And then, two, did the trailer kind of ease the fears of the use of de-aging in the movie
5: at all? Go for it.
0: Um, I mean, when I saw the pictures initially, I wasn't like, oh, my God, this movie's going to be terrible now. But it was the kind of thing where I thought, you know, when you see, like, a PlayStation 4 graphic and you go, wow, it looks so much like Robert De Niro. It's, it's that kind of almost there sort of uncanny valley. But when I saw the actual... You know, frames in motion in the trailer, I kind of came out to the place I expected, which is some of this looks really good. Some of it looks questionable and they're going to have to do this throughout the movie. So I kind of just expected that in the first place. So like, is it going to be distracting somewhat? I imagine. Yeah. But for a movie like this, I guess I'm inclined to be a bit more lenient because it's a drama and because I know that more than a lot of other movies that employ this technique, it's going to be all about how the story handles it, you know? Mm-hmm. So, because I feel like, yeah, a lot of movies we see people deage so that they can do action or we can have some kind of science fiction plot happening. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I... I'm not like worried that the movie's going to be terrible, but I am curious about what the distraction level is going to be.
3: It was uh, not that shocking to me hmm. until I saw a side by side of what Robert De Niro really looked like at that age. At first, I was like, "Okay, I could okay. roll with this," but then all of a sudden, <laughs> do we have a, a split screen here?
5: I, I yeah. That army shot. I forgot favorite. how like not that he's not handsome, but like he he really does look different. And the shot on the right, I told you this before we started rolling. He looks, and maybe you can't see it as much there, but when I saw the picture on my phone, he looks like Miles Teller, like an older Miles <laughs> Teller to me. It looks more like Dang. him. But I actually, I'm more glass half full. I didn't really have an issue with it. Although I'm one of those people that never has an issue with the CGI that everybody has an issue with in film. I just think it's more like fascinating that they're telling this story over the course of so many years, and you know that it's going to be so, I just know this is going to be a good, you know, it's going to be so phenomenal. I think the question is, because People know the budget, and yeah. like, if if they spent that much Whoa. money, why does it look like that? But and the I,
0: narrative on the budget is that it's all about this—the CGI. <laughs>
5: yeah. But I yeah. also think that like this is one of those movies that look a lot of us want to see, of course. But I think it almost did it a favor that everybody's talking about on the internet because it's cr- sparked interest, and it's oh, like yeah. all press is is all press, good press at this point, because now everybody's doing these side by sides of themselves when they were younger. It's I think it's going to become a meme. It's going to become a thing, and then people are wow. going to want to watch this three and a half hour movie be more inclined that you know to grab an audience that might not have watched it in the first place just to
3: get a little uh, a little background to compare for you what is the best use of de-aging you've seen and what is the worst how'd you <sighs> feel about it chapter two mm. <laughs>
0: completely <laughs> reconstructing <laughs> the shape of finn wolfhard's head
5: <laughs> yeah 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 again he's changed I, a lot over the years, years. he's changed he a lot he really the has years. yeah no he really has i didn't again i didn't have an issue with it. chapter two what about uh, Rogue One? Um,
0: what, with, like, Tarkin?
5: Yeah, yeah, Tarkin and Leia.
3: Tarkin, yeah. oddly
0: enough, I sat there, I had to remind myself partway through the film that he was dead, and then I was like, oh, okay, this is odd. But they kept him in so much shadow that I actually didn't have as much problem with him as I had with Leia. <laughs> Leia, at the end of that movie, creeped me out a bit. Um, I think the best thus far is uh, Sam Jackson and yes. Yes. Captain Marvel for me. Because, yeah. I mean, it's kind of a cheat because he already doesn't look his age, you know? Um, but that's probably one of my most seamless kind of like, I'm not even really thinking about it ones, or or I'm sitting there going, this easily could have been makeup for all I know. Yeah. Yeah.
5: No, that was phenomenal. And I think Gemini Man looks really good, oh, too. Oh, I'm so
0: excited like, I
3: think, I'm so curious to see yeah, how all that comes
0: together.
5: from what we've seen so far, it looks pretty phenomenal. And it really does look like a younger Will Smith, Fingers exactly as one. we remember I'd, him. I hope
3: that pans out well. So the big question here is going to be how much of the de-aging we get in the movie, hmm. because after the hot topic yesterday was those photos, then the trailer comes out. And I can't say I was all that surprised about this because I suspected it, the flashbacks might be such right. a small part of the movie that maybe the trailer wouldn't be heavily focused on it. But really, the only like super young De Niro we got was this exact shot yeah. right there. So you know we're talking about this nonstop, but do you think that the heavy use of the de-aging technology is going to be reduced to a very small part of the movie anyway? I
0: I mean, my guess would be that anything that's uh, the most intensive stuff will probably be the least. Because like, w- during the trailer, the part that I actually liked arguably the most was that uh, back and forth between him and Ray Romano. Yeah. Yeah. Where he's got the darker hair. It does look like he's been de-aged, but not extremely. And that was a shot I thought actually looked pretty great. So I think, yeah, it'll probably be the most extreme for the furthest back flashbacks. And my hope is that... You know, I haven't read the book, but most of this movie is going to take place while these guys are all in their older years and, you know, the more mature years of their life. And I feel like there's a lot of wiggle room there, you know, because it looks like Robert De Niro at least is going to, we're going to see him at his current age, at like slightly younger than his current age, older than he is now when he's got like the white hair and he's looking, you know, particularly grandfatherly. So, I feel like most of the movie's gonna hang there. I can't
5: imagine the World War II flashbacks are gonna be a big part of the story, like you're saying. Like, it's gonna be, it was so limited in the trailer, I have to imagine it lends itself to what's gonna be in the actual film. I'm just excited that Joe Pesci's back.
1: Like, I was that's so excited to see
5: him in the trailer.
0: He's the one I want like a scene for. It's like I, I'm excited for everybody, but I have the least sense for how his presence is going to be. And like he's out of retirement for this. I'm yeah.
3: curious to see how significant that role is going to be. I mean you guys know how the Oscar prediction thing yeah. works. It's like even everybody though, gets one. Well, even though we haven't <laughs> seen it, that's the kind of thing when you yeah. assemble like an Oscar package right. automatically the Irishman is on just about everybody's list, and Joe Mm -hmm. Pesci and Al Pacino are both in there, I believe, for some supporting actor list, so I'm just curious to see between the two of them you know, who winds up getting the bigger role, what happens, and who actually makes a big impression. It almost
5: feels like, to me, and I could be totally wrong, because none of us really know, that the Joe Pesci role could be like a glorified cameo kind of thing, like not necessarily a major, like, is it really going to be a supporting? Is it going to be anywhere where Al Pacino's character or that is going to be... I wonder if
3: just so many people can qualify as supporting just because it's such a long, <laughs> long runtime. Like, there has right. to be many <laughs> more characters in <Yeah>. specific <laughs> parts of the movie other than Robert De Niro. This yeah, is going to make true. us
0: kind of... I, you know, There are already Oscar categories to fight over, but, you know, movies like this, you're going to start being like, well, should we get an ensemble category in there because... Yes, we should. <laughs> we should. Which, which I we probably should. That's, should. that's like,
5: oh, the case. And a cameo category.
0: And a casting director category. Like
5: a, and a
3: voice
0: oh,
5: act. Yeah.
3: Uh, I could go on and on Enstein. about this. And <laughs> stunts. All right. Yeah. yeah, we got a Court long list of things that should be added to the Oscars <laughs> ASAP. But so Best we don't Daging. go down that rabbit hole Best right Daging. now. Yeah. <laughs> you wait for it. That's I mean, coming. I guess it's kind of visual <laughs> and effects, and then then my head spins out of control when I throw Lion King into the mix, and how oh, that's my messing gosh. up that
5: whole cover. I don't know. And I, think I can't. Right Richard Linklater should present the award. <laughs> that's my favorite. That's
0: my favorite conundrum, though, is the Lion King, where it's like it's the complete opposite. It's like, it's too real. Now I don't believe it. (laughs) Everything looks real and the physics don't match. What gives? (laughs) Yeah.
3: (sighs) Yeah. We're going to discuss all of that on FYC this season. So that's going to be a uh, fun ride on that show. Right now, we got to move over to this Hulu story with Ghost Rider. So Mm. as we explained earlier, Ghost Rider, the series, is not moving forward at Hulu anymore. I know uh, poor Dorian is really bummed about this. but Dorian. Dorian. We're sorry, Dorian. It's not happening, though. So... What I want to ask you guys first, because, you know, we get trade reports and (laughs) comments, like official terminology, like creative impasse, which could mean just about anything. So you hear that. What do you think that means? What stopped this series dead in its tracks when, I don't know, I got the impression that it was a likely go at Hulu.
0: Yeah. I don't know. I mean, this is a ghostwriter to me is always kind of an odd property, especially in the current landscape and especially as I'm thinking about it at Hulu just because their main tried-and-true Marvel series at the moment is Runaways, which is a young adult series. I, I have no idea ultimately what the creative differences were, but I do feel like you have... I, there are a lot of room to debate what the tone ought to be, how dark and hellish to get versus how comic book action-oriented to get, and I know that they've expressed interest in keeping it a heavier, more adult property, and I don't really know how the Disney-Hulu conversation <laughs> factors into that either. Um, when I just hear Ghost Rider or Hulu, I kind of raise my eyebrow because that's not the first place, I would think. Um, so in terms of creative differences, I always feel like you're falling into a place where you're either... Uh, at risk of becoming a B-movie, like the movies, or you're at risk of becoming something that is a bit too dark and too niche for people, and I wonder if maybe that's where they got held up or, or something like that, or if it was just like, Jeff Loeb had one idea of where the plot's supposed to go and they really didn't like that, you know?
3: So you're you're putting more weight in the uh, the story, the creative story differences that might have come up, not necessarily you know the higher ups and how things are changing with the merger and all that fun stuff.
0: I think it all factors in, but I think there is certainly, I think you can certainly point to the qualities that the character and the property has in and of itself as being sort of we're still learning Marvel as a place for horror fantasy. Like, in the next phase of the MCU, we're about to get Doctor Strange in the uh, Multiverse of Madness, and then Blade is going to come after that, and I feel like everyone's kind of watching the MCU to be like, how are we going to define horror Marvel? Because, again... as much as I would love to see Nicolas Cage in the MCU playing oh, Ghost be Rider, awesome. those are not <laughs> well-liked movies. As, the thing is, it could happen. If they brought him to the MCU, this is a short diatribe, but it, it actually could work.
5: Of course it could work. I mean, think about now. This could be his renaissance. Everybody else is having a renaissance. This could be his. And because they're so good with Thor Ragnarok and making things a little bit more humorous, if they took it in that direction, as they're so good at, I mean, I would, I would be an exciting property for me. I'd be thrilled Every, to see Everything in, is okay.
0: one self-aware. <laughs> quip away from fitting into the MCU. <laughs> I, I will I would give them. But I guess for for me, I almost feel like the best place for this would have been FX. There's that rumor floating around mm. now that the uh, Netflix shows are going to get saved by FX and that sounds ideal to me. Uh, this oh, is not wow. confirmed, but there are whispers and I haven't found that there are unconfirmed or or debunked yet, but yeah, there are people saying that they want to revitalize Daredevil, they want to bring heroes for hire and stuff like that, and FX seems like a network that would allow you to take something like Daredevil, at least in my eyes, and not Daredevil, uh, Ghost Rider, seriously enough to be dark to be heavy to be hellish but to also embrace some of the more fun out there elements of having a dude who turns into a leather-clad skull man at night (laughs) you
3: know okay so i would believe that let's entertain that idea for a little bit because when i read this report you know this is just speculation here this is all the information we got and we're kind of just playing with it right now i read this report and i'm like oh they're keeping this character and is in their back pockets they could use him for the mcu or something else or Jeff Loeb's days might be numbered <laughs> and Kevin Feige is going to take over this in the entire world, for that matter. The so... only
0: creative producer I don't fear for in this life is Kevin Feige. <laughs>
5: right. He's the only <laughs> person in Hollywood in general. Yeah. <laughs> so we know well, he's going to have a job in five years. Considering
3: yeah. those possible uh, future
5: occurrences,
3: could the FX thing even be an option? Or are we in a position where you know Kevin Feige, the MCU, and what they're doing over at Disney Plus is essentially going to Pull all of the Marvel characters back in.
5: I think think when you hear creative differences without hearing anything else, that's, of course, what you think. I mean, creative differences, like like what you said, I feel like the only thing it could be would be tone. Because that is a really tricky character it's a really tricky property I think to get right and have it not be cheesy and you have to have a budget to make this CGI and the special effects look good but yeah I think my initial thought was exactly what you're saying is that's of course that's what it is
0: when I've become so distrusting of news of this variety because I I feel like they're just inclined to lie to us half the time and be like, oh, no, we just had a creative problem. Like, this could be a swamp thing where they just swoop in and they're like, ah, we're just going to kind of pull the plug on this. We're, it's not going well. Or, I don't know, we don't like where it's going something. But, I see, the the thing that makes this interesting to me is... I don't know what kind of machination that could be because there are so many things scattered around across multiple studios. Mm, And there are, I mean, there is the Midnight Sun. There is this sort of more dark uh, team that Marvel has that involves Blade, that involves Morbius, that involves uh, Hellstorm, who's also got a Hulu show that hasn't folded up yet. And so you have all these disparate elements at Sony, Marvel, uh, uh, Hulu, elsewhere, that could all equal some iteration of the Midnight Suns, even, uh, what, Moon Knight on Disney Plus? Like, I don't know what you could speculate off of that because there are so many places it could land, you know? I mean, if Marvel has their control over it, my best bet, would be like MCU maybe in phase five or six when we've had Blade because you can easily introduce him perhaps through Blade because this also just opens up another aspect of context because now you have heaven and hell involved and we've already got, okay, like Asgard is like a heavenly realm of sorts, but it's a sci-fi other world, too, but there's, like, Valhalla that's, like, heaven, so now I'm also, like, you have to define these aspects of your world, too, and where does the devil and demons and Mephisto, and where do all these people fit? (laughs) So, yeah, I... I don't know what this means for the MCU. And if it's MCU, I feel like it's going to take a minute. Of course. If it's somewhere else on TV, it could be any time.
3: All right. So if you had to place your bets right now, where is the next place we'll see the character Ghost Rider? Whether, let's say, this iteration of the show moves over to FX or, you know, years down the line, we get the character popping up in the MCU.
5: I Maybe Is Nick Cage. I wonder if, yeah, I wonder if, do they know? Do they even know? I mean, my guess would be either Disney Plus or it would be the MCU. I, yeah. I think it has to be like something big for them for this to happen. I think yeah, yeah I would bet on the answer being they don't know. Like, yeah. I, think yeah. they, I, don't I think they know. don't
3: know and they're going like this right now and trying to grab all of the, the yes. characters that are out of their control or semi out of their control and rein them all back in.
0: When well, I feel like they're trying to unify, because I don't remember the exact detail I read, but they said that Kevin Feige is having even more influence over the arc of the various TV wings of Marvel mm-hmm. and the conflict that existed between Marvel TV and Marvel Studios during a. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. has been kind of alleviated, and so I kind of wonder if they're trying to also pull some of their loose ends together because they are spread out across so many things, and now they do have their minds even more set on crossovers and team-ups, and we've already had this disaster with Sony and Spider-Man. And so, yeah, I almost feel like they're not entirely sure what the plan is. And I don't think Ghost Rider is priority number one for them.
5: (laughs) Yeah, in terms of audience and that. But I feel bad for the actor. I just have to put that out there. Because, I mean, as an actor, you know, they work so hard. This is a character that was so popular on the show. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, kind of reinvigorated the show in a way. And, you know, to hear you're getting your own series. And then it's a go. And then to have it pulled so abruptly, I feel terrible for
3: him. I, I really can't even imagine that feeling. But, you know... Who knows? Hopefully, this (laughs) this is my desperate attempt to look on the bright side. If he's not, you know working on that and obligated to that maybe it opens the doors to other things he's a great actor. The success he had yeah. on agents of yeah. Shield. so well and i'll fingers never crossed.
0: i'll never say never because of constantine like i know agents of shields going away okay. but you never know where gabriel luna might pop back up in yeah. that
3: character all right that's a fair Just point fan, true.
0: fan love can do magic things
3: yeah that's true all that's right a I, lo- I like ending this conversation <clears throat> on that positive note i'm gonna remind you guys now that we are saving time at the end of the show for your live chat questions so send them in right now Ask us about these topics, ask us about bread, whatever you want. They have no clue what that means, but we're going to find out later on today's show. Also, before we move on to, hey, yet another uh, Kevin Feige story, (laughs) another Marvel story, (laughs) slash Star Wars, slash the entire world that he's taking over. Captain Movie News. (laughs) Oh, boy. We have to tell you guys about some more content coming to the Collider Video YouTube channel, Uh, maybe a little something called Jedi Council. Check out this promo.
0: I'm Coy Jandro here at Golden Apple Comics in the heart of Hollywood with Kevin
1: Smith himself. Oh my Look. God,
4: that's striking! Look at what I could do with a camera. She's like the movie, and I was like, Oh my God, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> He's an angel. We can do anything we want.
1: Anyone that knows this man's work knows the best place to be with him is in a comic book store. I am so excited. We're about to do some sweet, sweet comic book shopping. You ready? I'm ready to spend. <laughs>
0: Well hello there. I'm Cat Napsock, one of the hosts of Collider Jedi Council. And I'd like to invite you to listen to our show, watch our show. It's on every Thursdays on the Collider Video Channel. And it's also available in podcast form if you'd like to listen to our sweet voices on Collider Jedi Council, me, Christian Harloff, and a bevy of guests I say talk Star Wars. We celebrate Star Wars. We dig into the Star Wars news. We speculate. Everything about Star Wars including your questions. So join us on Collider Jedi Council. You're going to have a great time.
3: So guess what? We're about to talk about the whole Kevin Feige Star Wars thing, but after our conversation, the conversation will continue today on Jedi Council, so tune in for that. You're not going to want to miss that show. Also, i got to remind you, this is a Heroes and Villains edition of Collider Movie Talk Check out this t-shirt. Hey. These are great. Yeah. I want one. Rebel
0: These are very much- scum.
3: Yeah, I feel like that's quite appropriate for Hero, me. No. but through a villainy lens. Yeah, good, yeah, yeah. Know? The I'm, rebel part, yes. Exactly. Um, yeah, thanks. I, I, I appreciate you ditching the word scum, but I still love this t-shirt and that other jacket that I've been wearing all week. So if you guys like this stuff, head on over to heroesvillains.com. Use Talk15 at checkout and get 15% off. They have so much cool stuff. Hats, bags, backpacks, you name it. And it's all just high quality things that represent the brands you love. So check it out. Now, are you guys ready for this? Yeah. I, I couldn't believe when this story. So we were cooking up a whole extra segment today, we were. a little, you know, a fun play on recommending some things on streaming, which hopefully we'll do in the future on Movie Talk. But then late at night, the big news dropped. I feel like it wasn't even all that surprising to me because I just I don't know. I just had a feeling Kevin Feige's role was going to expand in some sense and not even necessarily as the head of all of the Marvel properties over at Disney. He is developing a Star Wars movie now. So you guys hear this big news last night. What is the first thing that crossed your mind?
0: Who's Kevin Feige?
5: Yeah, he's said no one ever.
3: What?
0: Uh, I mean, yeah, this is a weird thing because I am both excited and completely unmoved almost. It's weird. It's like if you were to tell me uh, David Leach is going to direct the Face-Off remake, I would be like, okay, I've seen him do stuff like that. So I know he can do it, and I have confidence he'll do it. And so, yeah, with Star Wars, I think, yeah, Kevin Feige's totally capable of this. He's totally proven himself. If I may quote my my, conf, my partner in crime, Greg Alba, if you're looking at somebody stepping into a leadership role, one thing you want to look at in a huge way is their track record. Right. And that's what gives me the biggest amount of hope for this because yeah. Star Wars, as I'm not the biggest Star Wars fan, but what they've been doing with it lately has not made me the happiest moviegoer. I don't want Star Wars to become the MCU and have three movies a year, but I think Kevin Feige is a creative producer who has a really good knack for uh, combining the passion for a property that informs your uh, ability to keep the core of it intact and then also adapting it to the new age and you know uh, updating it in a way that's going to please and entice people rather than... Uh, go too far too fast or whatever happened with The Last Jedi. You know, it seemed to me like a lot of left turns in a very small amount of time and I feel like he's got the finesse to maybe avoid that.
3: So because you bring up Kevin Feige's ability as a leader, let me just revisit specifically how THR worded it in their piece. They said that Feige is going to be developing a Star Wars movie as Lucasfilm president Kathleen Kennedy makes new plans for a wave of projects set in the universe. So I read that, and to me that says he is developing one One. single story. He is focusing not necessarily on his leadership ability, but his creative producing ability and what he can do with a single movie. But... As I was reading this story, so there were a couple sentences of the story, and this this might just be because, you know, we've casually discussed it in the past couple of months, if not longer than that, that at some point... Kevin Feige would step in and, you know, Kathleen Kennedy might move aside or take on a different role, and he would have a leadership role in Star Wars. So even though this specific
5: piece is saying developing one movie, do you read it any differently than that? I think he had an idea, because they also talked about, it was hinted at, that he already has reached out to a specific actor and told a specific actor that he has a role for him in mind. I think Kevin had an idea. And I'm thinking about, like, when I heard the news, I I thought about like the Mahershala Ali when Blade was announced, how he went to Kevin Feige and said, I want to play this role. And I'm wondering if that's what happened with Kevin Feige, if he sort of was the Mahershala Ali and said, I want to step in and I have this idea. And I want to, you know, like this. And then from there, I mean, I think it it would be better to announce it that way and say he's going to do one film than announce that he's taking over the whole universe. I think
0: everything Star Wars is best delivered in a one step at a time fashion for now. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like, I I feel like one big issue they've had up until now is getting way ahead of themselves with we're going to do these spinoffs and we're going to keep the saga going and we're going to do episodes and we're going to have three movies a year. And yeah, I think that uh, this is good news because, yeah, I feel like it could just be one movie, but I feel like even that one movie is kind of an audition tape because I don't think he's going to just jump off the MCU and go shepherd Star Mm. Wars but I can definitely see his influence being under the Disney umbrella having an effect on Star Wars I'm sure they've already considered what Kevin Feige might do in various situations and then yeah having him directly involved just opens that door so wide that even if he didn't become the shepherd, he could certainly help, I think, the franchise into a more agreeable track, basically. Yeah,
3: that's what I think they're kind of shaping up to do. I like your take on it, because I can picture that being the reality or the one-film reality, but where I think this might lead us is... You know, a structural path where it's like Kevin Feige and Kathleen Kennedy operating in tandem. Because I also think, as leaders, they have different skill sets and skill sets mm-hmm. right. that could complement each other quite well. Also, because Lucasfilm isn't just in the business of making Star Wars right. movies. They, Jones, they are trying yeah. so hard to get that indie movie off the ground. Is it ever going to happen? On top of that, they're pursuing other projects, too, that aren't Star Wars related. I forget what the uh, the book that they just picked up, but I know that's a top priority for them. So what if she works on developing other arms of Lucasfilm and he steps in? So I could just see a world where the two of them are the tops, and then maybe they start to you know get a couple people under them who they could fully trust. Like maybe Maybe a Dave Filoni who could start pulling the strings in in an even bigger capacity than he already is. So Mm -hmm. I just think as all of these franchises expand, I think they need more hands on deck, more more trustworthy hands on deck where if a film is left in someone's hands entirely, fans out there can go into it with confidence that they're going to do the brand justice.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I think there's a certain amount of this that we're all to a degree guilty of where we put a lot on one person. And especially with Star Wars, we've put, or at least just the movie community, has put a lot on Kathleen Kennedy. And I feel like uh, some of that is unfair and some of that I'm sure is merited on something. But yeah, I think collaboration is a great thing, especially for these giant ships and especially for people who have multiple franchises to look after. And, yeah, if you're figuring out the future of Star Wars, I do think it's also interesting for Kevin Feige because this will be him coming into an already established thing that is already a franchise, already a universe that's already going. And, you know, he's not going to have to jumpstart it. He's just going to have to make a good entry. And it's going to be interesting to me, at least, to see how... It's like, I like that this is sort of starting as a one-film thing, because I'm Mm -hmm. like, yeah, okay, what's Kevin Feige like in this capacity? And who's directing it? And who's going to direct it? Yeah, that's the big question. And and what is that relationship going to look like? Because, I mean, him being the creative producer on a Star Wars movie also says something different because of some of the direct... It's like, uh, I keep wanting to call them Friedberg and Seltzer, but that would be Lord and Miller got you know yanked off of Solo. Uh, uh, Rogue One got retooled by uh, Tony Gilroy, right? So, uh, you know, it seems like there are some wavy decisions that could maybe be stronger. Under well, he's, you know.
5: he's always had such harmony with the directors that he's worked with yeah. and given them the creative freedom, but still the pie is all together. The pie is all the same. Here's your slice. Here's your slice. Do your thing with it, but it still felt very cohesive. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, that's
0: and even the creative differences have been relatively low-key like you know I, i'm sure he's learned things from the edgar wright ant-man situation which of all of the creative differences in these big franchise movies seemed like a pretty mellow yeah one. hindsight yeah. you know mm-hmm. they just kind of parted ways and then the movie was fine <laughs> yeah. so still
3: playing around with this film a little bit because uh, they did mention the actor what did you say hirschela yeah. mahershal ali
5: no, no no i was just for
0: blade yeah.
3: oh for, for, blade, for blade it was blade. just kind
5: of how mahershala put it out there like I want to do this rather
3: than they approaching him. Did you have other ideas for specific people that Kevin Feige is thinking about for the Star Wars movie? Well,
5: like when I think about it initially, I think like, are we thinking Chris Evans? Like, it it, would it be like a Chris Evans kind of person? Of course, everybody's like Robert Downey Jr., but I'm like Robert Downey Jr. Star Wars.
0: I mean, but how many people could it it actually be? I wouldn't want it to necessarily be an MCU actor.
5: But I feel like to hear that he's already reached out to an actor tells me that it's somebody he's worked with and is close with
0: yeah yeah, yeah right.
5: i would believe that but i
0: also or always wanted
5: to i mean he could that's, reach out to anybody well but see
3: that's a possibility too it's like what if it is someone he's worked with in the mcu but not to the extent that he's wanted to like mm. what if it's someone with a you know a fairly small it's like i mean how about andy circus like, hey. he did have a pretty big yeah. part in Black Panther, but that character didn't turn out to have as much screen time as I thought he was going to.
0: Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's one of the big impacts of that character, even as, a, yeah, the the kind of way he exits. And, and yeah, he is a high—I mean, it's weird to n- single out Andy Serkis as a highlight of that movie. There are many highlights in that movie. But, yeah, he's a guy who I would love to see collaborate in a similar environment, at least. And, yeah, in the Star Wars world, like, Andy Serkis would be amazing.
5: Anyone come to mind, Nikki? So, or someone that maybe you want? Well,
4: it,
5: like that's all going down the male route. Someone. What if it was? What if it was a female? What if it was a Zoe Saldana? Because we don't know really what's happening with her. You know, and Grace
4: we-
0: Jones. Let's just go <laughs> wild. Let's go off the walls.
5: How about
3: Elizabeth Debicki?
4: Ooh. She only yeah. got
3: uh, Guardians Volume 2, and I think any movie Dang. gets better if you add her to the cast. So okay. Is she but a big enough movie like star? Right or maybe she doesn't have she's to be. She's on but the cusp. I think yeah. she has name value, but she's not a household
5: name now, and of course, Star Wars is a I've game said this before, that. I, I need it to be Jodie Comer. I just need <gasps> it to be Jodie Comer. <laughs> that would be so amazing if that yeah. was the person. I would pretty much never,
3: ever <laughs> in a million years say no to that. Yeah.
0: Character actress Margot Martindale. That's who I'm going with.
3: I, you know what? I would <laughs> be totally be <laughs> fine with that as well.
0: Star, the thing about Star Wars is that it's rife for character actors, and <laughs> yeah. it's, you can sell, st- like, Star Wars is the star. So I feel like you don't have to have the most recognizable names, and in some ways that's more distracting. It, because, like, think of, I mean, people knew John Boyega from Attack the Block, but, like, the main new people in The Force Awakens were all people we hadn't heard yeah, of before. Yeah, which
3: admittedly is why I was like, oh, I don't know about Chris Evans. Because he's such a familiar an face, yeah. and it's not—it's not that he isn't a great actor and can lose himself in a role, but I don't know for whatever reason, Star Wars of all franchises to me says you know. Like, I want someone who I don't know, and I can direct... Like, that all, yeah. That also actually doesn't even feel fair, because it's like, now I directly associate Daisy Ridley with Ray. but it's not to say that she hasn't done good work in other films, but yeah. I just, I think
5: I want, a, like, a fresher Somebody face. Somebody known, but not so. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah.
0: And, I, and the allure of Star Wars, too, is that unknown. I feel like that's the irony of new Star Wars, is that the original was partly dazzling because of the story, but it's also these unknown worlds mm-hmm. and this... Uh, amazing design and this, you know, society that exists. And so within that, I feel like it's almost, yeah, better to get more interesting with your casting and more out there with your characters because the world completely lends itself to that and we've just seen them vanquish space Nazis a few times. Well,
5: (laughs) and he did that with Marvel. I mean, you think about all of the Avengers. I mean... And, and Arguably, the very various levels of fame, and he took them to it. Now we assume that they were always famous, or we feel like they've mm-hmm. always been famous, but they weren't. I mean, he's he's got a knack for choosing. Those people that, like you said, are on the cusp. It's very
3: true. So you know, it what? could Give be anybody us one right now. I mean, yeah. I feel like I have Emmys on the brain. So right now, I'm thinking, how about Jerel Jerome and Rachel Brosnahan? <laughs> right.
0: Ooh. Oh, Rachel Brosnahan. Oh, Rachel Brosnahan.
5: Jerel
3: yeah, would be amazing. Yeah, too. yeah I mean, two oh people gosh. who I think could do just about anything. Let's get yeah.
0: Sterling K. Brown in Star right. Wars universe.
2: <laughs> I'm in. I feel like he's the
0: new one of the new go-tos. We the, that'll be the most emotional Star Wars movie. Because, like, he, <laughs> he makes me episode. cry in things that he's not even doing something dramatic. <laughs> watching episodes of Supernatural, I'm like, Sterling
3: K. Brown. I didn't even know he was on that. I didn't, too,
0: until we started watching the show. It's pretty great. Did you
3: just start watching the show? Not to derail this, but I've always thought about watching Supernatural, but because it's, like, a thousand seasons, I'm like, I can't <laughs> yeah. touch that.
0: Well, there's a loophole, because I guess they only originally intended to go five, so some people stop after five. Oh. So, you know, you can loophole yourself.
3: Sounds a little more manageable.
0: But it's delightful.
3: Before we go down that path any further, and before we go over to your live chat questions, I did want to add one quote here from Alan Horn, because there's a little bit in here that I want to get your take on. So Alan Horn had said... With the close of the Skywalker saga, Kathy is per- is pursuing a new era in Star Wars storytelling. And knowing what a diehard fan Kevin is, it made sense for these two extraordinary producers to work on a Star Wars film together. So we've talked a little bit about Kevin Feige's passion for Star Wars, but the bit I want to know about here is pursuing a new era in Star Wars. And mm. then also, even in that quote that we had read early earlier, it says Kathleen Kennedy makes new plans for a wave of projects set in the universe. Right. Like, what what is this new wave, and what is going to define it from what we've seen before in the Star Wars film franchise? Yeah,
5: go ahead.
0: Oh no, did you have thought? No, go ahead. All right. <laughs> I, I, that's a fascinating <laughs> question. I just don't want to jump on everybody. A, I'm always like uh, paranoid about that. But uh, I, I, a new phase in the Star Wars franchise and a new wave of things is a dubious statement to me, partly because I thought that was what they wanted to do already. And so uh, the thing that makes me very optimistic about this is that I think Kathleen Kennedy has some good instincts. I I feel like she gets a lot of unfair flack from Star Wars fans for betraying them. And I can see that, yes, some of her choices don't demonstrate maybe the core of what people love about Star Wars necessarily. So I think the idea of being a Star Wars fan in and of itself doesn't really mean anything to me because most filmmakers love Star Wars and would jump Mm -hmm. at the chance. But uh, this combination, I think, Kathleen Kennedy's instincts for broadening Star Wars out and bringing more voices into it is good. And I think somebody like Kevin Feige can bring that love and also his, uh, you know, just prowess for producing and for pitching projects on the right scale and with the right creatives. I feel like this combination makes me more optimistic for Star Wars as a whole than I've been in a long time. And now I just want to see what their plan becomes. Mm. Because the thing that always makes me weary is when they start going, we've got a trilogy here, and we're giving this guy a trilogy, and we've got spinoffs here. And And they don't uh, have a
5: plan. Yeah, I think what
0: we learned, or at least what I hope we're going to learn, is that, yeah, stuff like Solo that we don't really need isn't what people want out of Star Wars, and uh, also I think the interval is going to become very important because that's one thing that has made this uh, very problematic is you only have the original Star Wars films that everybody can agree on as the sort of classic core of this. And then everything else is debatable <laughs> and so um yeah i don't know i feel like this could return it to form and it's about the best circumstance i could imagine for it <laughs> well
5: it's just also those two statements are kind of contradictory because one says one film and one says a new era and it's like is kevin feige really gonna just go here's your one film and just see a after gotta, that like there's just no
0: way i gotta imagine some kind of creative consultant capacity at the yeah, very yeah. L- again yeah, like, yeah, i can't see least. him just jumping on star wars and handing marvel to somebody else but it just seems so sensible for them to involve him on the strategy side.
3: Yeah, I do have a feeling that if all goes well with this first film, he'll stick with it. But I I do think that at least for a period of time, Kathleen Kennedy will be spearheading this new yeah. wave or whatever we want to call it. And I'm just going to give a simple description of what I think that's going to be and say that the new wave strictly means stories that aren't directly tied to the Skywalkers. Yeah, that's it. And That's maybe it. some
0: genre splicing. Yeah. Maybe take I, that from the MCU. Yeah.
3: I would welcome that big time. Yeah. All right, guys. I'm going to remind you again that they are discussing this topic even more on Jedi Council today. So check that out and drop your comments on this story in the comments section below. Let's get some live chat questions in the mix. I got a big one for this first one here. MK Songbird wants to know: actor or actress who has had the best 2019?
0: <laughs> Money-wise, this is Samuel L. Jackson. <laughs>
5: He always does though. <laughs> Accurate. Didn't somebody pass surpass him though for the all time? Wasn't there somebody because he was always like the all time biggest money earner of in his career, and then somebody else? Oh man,
0: jumped
3: ahead like, recently. Overall, what? What? Was overall, in 2019.
0: Who I don't could, know. Would it be Nicolas Cage? Who's? He will take everything.
5: <laughs> <laughs> That's, I... when he when he and when he does Ghost Rider. I feel like it was <laughs>
3: someone affiliated with. With the MCU, though.
5: Yeah, I, I do, too. It would have to It would Scar- have, have to Johnson, be.
3: Is it? I mean, she was, was going to be one of my answers for this. Between uh, between Who's Endgame, having... Marriage Story, and Jojo Rabbit, she's having a pretty yeah, solid she's run. Yeah, having a good she's having year. A good year oh, right? but, but, but
0: she keeps having yeah. controversies. Yeah, yeah. yeah she keeps... I'm just
3: strictly talking about the movies she's been <laughs> in having... and not the comments she's made about some of them. <laughs>
0: fair enough, fair enough. I think Bill Hader's having an amazing year. Yes. Oh, because, I love anyhow, Bill Hader. Uh, there's a lot to appreciate about It Chapter 2, but he's the only thing anyone's talking about. And there's also... I mean Barry, Barry he's incredible. both on the performance side the writing side the direction side I mean uh, I I don't have a great read on all the Emmy tallies but I'm sure Barry won some stuff right Yeah I, so I, like, I should
3: probably revisit that list uh so I going think on. Uh, Barry season 2 episode 5 one of the ones he directed yeah. is one of my favorite. Ronnie episodes. Lily, the, the Ronnie girl. Lily one. It's one of my yeah. favorite episodes of TV this year. Yeah, I,
0: that's what everyone keeps telling me. I'm still in season one, but but yeah, Bill Hader, I think. Is...
5: Can I throw out? Can you watch? Do you watch Succession? I'm totally digressing. Oh, so snap. I'm almost so done could. with Euphoria, and that's next on my list. Oh, it's the most brilliant. If you like, because the writing of it, if you like Ronnie Lily and you like Barry, I think okay. you will love Succession. And totally digressing. We're going back to the 2019 <laughs> question. Who's having the best year? I also oh gosh, will throw so in
3: someone that everybody out. There knows that I'm a big fan of Calvin Harrison Jr. I think between Loose and Waves he is he should at least be on the cusp of an Academy Award nomination. I don't know if it's going to happen because I don't know how much noise those two movies are making at this point but he is having a phenomenal year and I think it's only a matter of time before he gets cast in let's say a Star Wars, Marvel, uh, uh, DC movie
5: and blows out. adam driver's having a good year oh yeah he's yeah. i mean he adam could, he could
0: be heading it. towards
5: double nominations
0: a yeah a decade
5: yeah that's <laughs> yeah. yeah, true he's the just re, he, the he's just ramping, ramping up story. that's the thing he's like 2019 you, <laughs> 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 you think this is good wait do you see what i got coming he's yeah it's I a think... bit of an
0: odd odd pull but i think florence Pugh oddly is left an oh, impression God, on yeah. me this year between like fighting with my family midsummer uh she's in uh little women coming up and stuff like that like i think she's definitely at least on the rise can i go
5: super mainstream will smith because <laughs> between Aladdin and now he has Gemini Man coming he's out. He, he oh, what about Brad Pitt? He's having a renaissance too. Oh, true. He's having a good year. Although, *Ad Astra* didn't do that well at the box office. Yeah, but, but he still. doesn't
0: care about that stuff. No, he said. No, exactly. It did, it
5: did okay. I think yeah. for for the type of
3: movie it was. I think that had a pretty big price tag on it, though. So yeah, yeah. I don't know. Maybe yeah, it's right like eighty that.
0: million dollars. Yeah. All
3: right, let's see yeah, if we can get million. another. Yeah. Okay. All right. I already said the bread thing, so I'm going to make one bread question. You guys have no clue why we talk about bread on this show. You can blame Dorian, but I'm just going to throw this question at you. <laughs> I'm
0: sorry. Jonathan
3: so Mornin is asking, what type of bread would you dress as for Halloween?
0: Oh, man. Oh, what type oh, of bread oh, for Halloween? Oh, I love Halloween? how excited you are. What um, kind of bread?
5: Oh, God. I love bread. I'm There's a toast so person. There's so many breads. So that actually excites See, me this a is lot. always the thing to bring a movie talk panel together.
0: What's the spookiest bread? <laughs>
5: Oh, I just want to be a New home. York City bagel. I just want to be, like, okay. big and,
0: oh, yeah. you know, <laughs> like,
5: overstuffed Plus, and full you, of dough and good water. And
0: <laughs> let's just go roll around in the, in the dirt or something. You could be an everything bagel. You know, just get some, like, <laughs> particles on yourself. <laughs>
5: Yeah. <laughs> this the, the best you. question I've ever I'm been like asked. You have yeah. an
3: approach to actually make that costume happen too.
0: I've been Halloweening all my life, already. I got <laughs> ideas going all over the place right now. I feel like if I was a bread for Halloween, um, to make it gory, I would probably be some kind of panini, so that you could put like a tooth toothpick of through course, it. You know, you have like a gory spin toothpick. on it. Yeah,
3: yeah, mm. yeah. That's probably. Mm. Where I feel I like we start. need to come up with like a cutesy name for like a, like an evil bread or something like mm. that. It's like you know how uh, when when kids used to dress up as like serial killers yes. and they would wear
0: boxes of scary oh. knives on them. Which I mean, when are those going to become a line of highly successful geek T-shirts? Like, there's been they've been relegated to stickers forever.
3: I feel like someone yeah. has done something like that. I they feel must. like I've seen that recently. Or there's an artist out there that puts like a children's book spin on scary movies. Have you Ooh, ever seen those? I, I gotta find them on Instagram what, what and I'll you share be? with you.
5: You have to share yours.
3: I've, I've spoken about bread quite a bit in the past <laughs> couple of weeks. I'm I'm definitely an everything bagel kind of person, yeah. but I'm trying to think of like a good, like a good looking bread that you would want to dress. A out. pretzel, you know, the long pretzel, ready. like it looks like a baguette, but it's a pretzel. Well, I was thinking or like a sake. croissant because it's got some like Ooh. nice curves to it.
0: <laughs> yeah, and it's got like an actual design, you know, it's like there are tiers of the croissant. There's like the middle part that's fluffier than the Edges, yeah, it's Aww. nice. You'd
5: make a fabulous croissant.
3: <laughs> yeah. Oh,
0: you would be, yeah.
3: <laughs> and to think I didn't have a Halloween costume idea five so <laughs> you do. <laughs>
0: I mean, if you want to go for a name pun, you could be Pumper Nicoloff.
3: Wow. Well, I we need to talk about this later because I'm really stressing about not having my October uh Twitter name because I was already Paranormal Activity Courtesy of Scott Mance and Perrywise, the year that, that yeah, Parinormal.
0: Paranormal huh. I mean, you know, it's not the best but you know it's No 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 I'm
3: I'm I'm feeling that one though. That's a good one. Of course you came up with one right on the spot like that. I mean,
0: you know, it's one of my favorite movies.
3: (laughs) It is a great movie. (laughs) movie. All right, let's make time for one more question. This one comes from Jonathan Peck who wants to know with Abominable coming out this week, what's your top oh, this is a big question. What's your top five DreamWorks animated films? Hold on. Let's let's come up with a list here. Yeah, 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 let's
0: come up with a list first.
3: All right, I'm gonna. I'm gonna I really b- like to a- By the way, great.
5: it's great. It's really. Sounds i like to I I just <laughs> do a quick like, yeah.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I love No one out there gets it. We did it on movie talk for what? like five minutes yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> I love how you even did an Everest impression.
5: <laughs> no, it was really good because it, it, was t- it was teachy and not preachy, and a lot of animated hey. movies are too preachy. All right, just
3: to throw out some titles for you guys right now. We have we have Ants, Prince of Egypt, Road to El Dorado, Chicken Run, the Shrek movie, Shark Tale, the Madagascar movies, uh, Bee Movie, Kung Fu Panda, How to Train Your Dragon, Uh, Peabody and Sherman turbo, turbo crude, uh, boss baby. I'm going to put boss baby on my list somewhere because Oscar
0: nominated.
3: Okay. And that was like a running joke when the boss baby was Oscar nominated. You should really watch that film. If you are knocking it that year, because that movie, one, I think the story is really fun and also emotional, but also the use of different styles of animation in that movie, I thought was very impressive. So really open yourself up to boss baby. Everything
0: you he heard does it is here, good. Yeah.
5: He was the actor of not two thousand nineteen, but Alec Baldwin's the actor of pretty much every other year.
0: Oh yeah. Especially the year that Hunt for Red October came out. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> that th- movie's been on TV a heck of a lot. <laughs>
4: I'll,
5: I'll I'll throw a how to train your dragon yes. in there.
0: Weirdly, I I wouldn't put any one movie from the Hound of Train Your Dragon franchise. I would just put the trilogy in because that's a Mm -hmm. weird example of one where I don't particularly love any one movie, but I really appreciate them as a trio. The entire
5: story with you on that.
3: I think I'll also throw in... I mean, I think I would at this point probably throw an Abominable. I haven't revisited Kung Fu Panda in a really long time, but I do really remember loving that first one so, so much. Oddly enough, I'm not not a Shrek fan, but Mm. I never kind of got swept up in the
5: Shrek craze.
3: I didn't either. I I didn't either, yeah.
0: I put Shrek into my five more for the place it holds in my life. (laughs) Because, you know, it's like I remember when it came out, it became a meme. I like Shrek, but, yeah, I'm kind of with you guys. I'm never like, ah, Shrek. I gotta revisit that. You know?
5: Yeah, with Abominable, it's always hard when you've just seen something that versus is, something that's been out like a Shrek for so long. Yeah, how it's gonna stand the test of time exactly. and over-repeat viewings. And, but I did yeah. I did
3: quite enjoy it. I Like, you know when you walk into a screening and you're just not in the best mood and that movie completely changes your mood? Yes. You never forget that movie. So I can yes. add Abominable to that list. And the same thing when I saw Zombieland for the first time. And hey. Zombieland will always have a special yeah. place in my heart for that reason.
0: Hell yeah. yeah. Alright. Here's one. I, you named off a couple that I I forgot where DreamWorks because yeah I would from for five for me uh, the Trainer Dragon franchise Kung Fu Panda one I think is great and then Shrek and then I would also add to that Prince of Egypt is pretty great yes. and uh, and uh, Chicken Run I love Chicken oh my Run gosh. I was trying to <laughs> remember <run. laughs> when I so said so I. F-
3: I have fond memories of Chicken Run when it came out with, you know, how old I was at that time. But I haven't revisited I it I haven't so long that I great. didn't want to put it on list. I don't remember <laughs> it now. And I will
0: go out on a limb and say that Flushed Away is pretty charming, too. I mean, that's Ardman but with DreamWorks Animation, I, believe, I think, uh, if I'm not mistaken. But, yeah, that's their CG movie. Now but I want to ask
5: questions. you all your just general <laughs> favorite animated movies. This is Hot fascinating.
0: <laughs> the Iron Giant.
3: <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, probably Nightmare Before Christmas right now. Inside Out is now my favorite Pixar movie. Inside Out.
0: That's... People, on, depending on the day. that's. I know, I know. <laughs> I was
3: teetering back and forth between Inside Out and Wally for a very long time and I think Wally has finally been officially bumped down to number two in Inside Out. Not I weirdly cards.
5: love Ratatouille. Okay. I, yeah. Oh,
0: yeah.
3: Look you at that. You didn't it. just get a list of DreamWorks <laughs> movies. You got a bunch of other ones in there, too. Top
0: five Leica. Let's go.
3: Oh, all five, five ones of, ones of, of their films. But really, they would all warrant a spot on that list even if there were many more of them. Even if is
0: toward the bottom. Oh,
3: I have a soft spot for
0: well, and in and, and saying that, I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying it's not arguably the best. We
3: need to reunite this panel and do some sort of ranked animated movie yes. segment, because it's <laughs> yeah, very hard fun. for me to say goodbye right now and end this show. But we kind of have to. We're out of time today. Nikki, John, come back to us. Oh, anytime. I know then. I've got this, this one on the panel fun. fairly
5: regularly. We have to do this again You're soon. You're giving me some hair, like envy too so
3: y'all can borrow
0: some if you just want to trim some of these out you can take some and make much your own extensions, whatever you like.
3: thanks to adam in the booth and Doreen in the live chat today and thad for all his hard work guys thank Woo. you so much for watching this edition of collider movie talk don't forget to tune in 10 a.m for collider live and also i'm saying goodbye for a little because hey maybe i'm seeing a movie that we talked about on today's show <gasps> soon so Keep an eye what? out for a review on that. John Rocco will be hosting tomorrow. It'll be a blast. Tune in tomorrow, Friday, 9 a.m. Pacific.
1: It's that little Chico, pit Pool Mr. 305, better said Mr. Worldwide. And I'm here to tell you about my new podcast, From Negative to Positive, brought to you by my friends over at State Farm. I believe that to have success, you've got to play the game so that the game doesn't play you. You know, the biggest risk you take is not taking one. It's very important that you make sure that you make the most out of your money, especially when it comes to insurance. State Farm offers surprisingly great rates. They have great agents standing by helping you personalize your coverage. All this is backed up by award-winning, easy-to-use technology. It's a great price with an even greater service. When you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.